happy birthday, Aaron. Why, you shouldn't have. I am no longer married to a younger man. No, no, we are the same age, even though you're a month older than me. It's okay. No one's going to ask for specifics. We're not children. We're not babies. We're not 36 months old. No, and I have a beard, so I look older than you, and you are perpetually young, so young looking, so... How do you feel, 30? Have, has, it, has it come to you yet? Yeah, my back keeps seizing up, so <laughs> I definitely feel old. You feel old? I feel like a grandpa. Oh, my back. <laughs> oh, there goes my back. It took me a couple days. It was about mm, three weeks after I turned 30 that I finally realized how being 30 felt. I um, keep realizing uh, as uh, my work has interns and everything i keep looking around like these are children and i am 30 my god i now feel adequately old enough to teach at a school (laughs) before i was just a child before i was a youngling (laughs) i've now graduated i'm now an adult i'm an adult what a weird esoteric thing like you're supposed to be 21 and now you're an adult you have all the legal things. You can do all the legal things. <laughs> yeah, you can drink. You, can, well, you can't rent a car until you're like 23 That's or right. 25. 25 felt like more of a milestone than 30 has. And it was literally the car thing and nothing else. <laughs> I could go to a hotel without having to have parental permission. I could rent a car. All these, I never had a good experience renting a car, so it's a bad example. But I think um, our, our, our parents and uh, those who helped raise us I think they had a harder time with us turning 30 than we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. I think it hurts them more because after a certain point, you're just aging. Like, there isn't really a milestone anymore. Yeah, like your brother and my cousin just turned 20 this year. And uh, that's hard to fathom because that's I remember... That's more hard. The fact that my youngest brother could be 21 next year is unfathomable to me. Yeah, that he could start drinking very soon. Yeah. Yeah, um, or the fact that you graduated college, has a job, yeah, yeah, all these things. Yeah, or your uh, youngest adopted brother is like gonna start be, he's gonna start driving soon. Going to high school, yeah. Yep, that's maybe that's scary. where the age comes from. Maybe from your siblings, from your family members. It's not you, so much yourself; it's those around you. If you grew up in a vacuum, <laughs> would it even matter your age? Probably not. But, you know, I, I know we're getting real deep in uh, esoteric here. Well, I was going to transition into a cute story about how I finally felt my age, but I'd much rather go down this dark and pervasive rabbit hole. Well, okay. I mean, this is, this, uh, I'm sure our listeners are just really, really loving this. Well, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. I, I say I'm an adult, but I'm wearing just the most neon of blue nail polish. and Yeah, the, you can see that shit in the dark. I feel like perhaps not until children enter the picture will I truly feel old again. Yeah, it, um, you know, we have a mortgage. We, you know, uh, we just bought a car. Uh, none it, of it's a very used car, by the way. But None I of that stuff used... is an indicator of age. It's all anyone could do this. You have a mortgage, so what? Yeah, that was like well, that was one of the easiest things to do. Boom. It was like, like we found a house that we liked. Okay, we got approved. And it was like this. This was you're about to go in debt for the next thirty years. So I can't even fathom the amount of money you're describing. It doesn't even. It's not even real to me. My student loans are more real to me than this house loan. You keep saying your student loans are mine. We're married. They're ours. They're ours. Um, but yeah, we bought a car again. A very, very, very used car. But we bought a car. And like none of that not stuff. A big, like, beautiful Buick Enclave. No, you haven't heard that episode yet. No, I have so not. You're um, not there yet. But all of this stuff, it's like you know, all the stuff that's supposed to make you feel like adults. Like we bought power tools and like all this stuff that's like, oh, this is what makes you feel like an adult. It's like, okay, cool. Um, I just got you know, uh, uh, I just got a freelance job paid me. I'm like, I'm gonna go spend this money on video games. Yeah, I just bought a whole kit of D&D supplies for a bunch of kids who I'm going to one-shot through in a week. I I have no concept of adulthood. If it ever existed, it is from a past bygone era. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, like... I, Eat the rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like adulthood. I, you're only as old as you feel, man. You know, age is just a number, man. Just get hippy-dippy on us. Just do wop shaboop doop 
Like where where the like my desk has all the toys on it. Like I apparently I inherited that from my predecessor at one of my old jobs. Like he had like an entire office full of toys and like and I brought all my toys and like Legos and stuff like that to work and like, oh I guess you're the new toy guy. I'm like, okay. As an artist and a writer, I feel like my writing brings me maturity while my art actively fights against maturity like i write and i feel oh yeah deep elegant provocative look at all these big words this is excellent i love this story and then i draw and i'm like i'm gonna draw a pretty picture of a girl <laughs> i i i guess i feel young uh, younger um by you know playing video games buying toys and like i'm gonna go skateboarding so it, so like maybe the more important thing isn't whether you feel old or young, it's whether you want to be old or young. Yeah. There are definitely days I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I want to sit on a couch. I don't want to be an adult today. What I want to do today is go do things that 30-year-old me should not be doing, like throwing axes or <laughs> riding an electric scooter or... Or uh, getting trapped in a room for an hour and figuring out puzzles and... Yeah, just... I'm, who's to say that that's not interesting like the whole jump on a trampoline or jumping on trampolines in a room for you know a long time and possibly breaking ankles yeah i'm about to run this uh, <laughs> i'm about to run this D D campaign and i'm like you know really have you i, I don't you haven't talked about this tell me more ah boy <laughs> you brought it up three times in i this, know in this i'm very open. excited about it i've never dm'd for children they're going to hate me. <laughs> They're not going to hate you. I I'm, I'm, I'm going to go so quickly from the coolest teacher ever to the lamest they teacher They are ever. not going to hate. They signed up. Rumors like, will spread through like wildfire. So, li dear listeners, they had to sign up to be a part of this. this they had to pay like, to be a part of they this. They had to pay. They had to pay to be a part of this. And they, like, the signups went pretty quickly. I think you're okay there, hon. I think, I think I'm Okay. I'm just saying, I was going to say that D&D &D is the weirdest combination of adulthood and childhood all rolled up into one. I sold the whole camp to a parent's like, hey, D&D &D builds real important life skills. <laughs> like statistics and um, Math, world building. and thinking. Yeah, exactly. Critical little, thinking and, and, and literally pro it's gonna problem be, solving. And literally it's going to be, okay, there's three ghosts. Go kill them. <laughs> <laughs> How does one kill a ghost? That's the problem. <laughs> so... Yes, there, there's. It's supposed to be a lot of fun. They're not gonna hate you, hun. Well, I promise you. Well, as long as you're Aaron and you're Elizabeth, and, and we're, we're married to, to the, the idea. idea. Yeah, I kept looking for off ramps, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't really find it. So. Well, Aaron, I'm very glad to that you have joined me in the thirty plus group. We get to be here for a while now Ugh. together. Uh, but because we are still children at heart. We went super silly for Aaron's birthday movie pick. There, uh, so as you clicked on this episode, you're thinking, why are they reviewing a movie that's a little older? That it's not like a bad movie. Um, there are specific reasons why, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, we'll go into like a synopsis of the movies if you've not seen it. Um, we're gonna so go real quick on that. You're so sweet to give the viewers a list, like you were writing a three paragraph essay. Um, so you see, I'm going to go over this. <laughs> so, Aaron, why did you pick this movie? Well, I'll tell you after the plug party. Oh, okay. You can find us on Facebook at Marriage of the Idea. You can email us at Marriage of the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. Uh, you can also join us Tuesday nights at five o'clock. For our Steven Universe Chill Appreciation Fancast entitled Keep Beach City Quarantined. That's every week if you want to join us. We are rapidly running towards uh, season five. Towards? Towards season five. Uh, well, we're only through the first half of season four right now. We're going to get there very quickly. And I think what you meant is that we're running rapidly towards uh, episode 100. We're pogoing so viciously. <laughs> we're unicycling uh, haphazardly. <laughs> Uh, the point is that we are trying to finish it all up before summer ends, and we'll see if we can make it there. But oh, yes, I'm Aaron... sorry. You're talking about Steven Universe. Yes, I, I thought was. you meant our own show. No, I was talking about <laughs> the thing I was talking about. Will wonders never cease? Uh, Not if, here. If you like the content we produce and you want to show us with monetary love, you can also check out our Patreon 
patreon.com slash married to the idea we have different tiers and offerings and can i just say how much i love patreon because there are so many artists who i'm like i've already bought five of your pieces i can't put any more pictures on the walls of my house or my husband will kill me but i still really like what you Wait, do who's your husband? so i can just give you money just each month just because i think you're rad uh so it's a great way to support creators and content generators we are uh our Marriage the Idea podcast comes out every other Friday, and we are on SoundCloud and iTunes for your listening pleasure. Yes. Um, as I mentioned uh, uh, prematurely before, but mentioned before, we are steamrolling, uh, barreling, unicycling very quickly to our 100th episode, which I don't think either of us knew that we were going to get to. No, it didn't feel that way to me. I was thinking back on it. The very first episode we did was Wonder Woman. And how much after Wonder Woman, we went and saw it afterwards. I said, we have to talk about this. And I was like, because well, I'd watched uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, he came to Knoxville. And I was like, hey. Uh, in his whole thing was like, do a podcast. Start something. Record yourself doing something. You know, He was like, just do it. It doesn't have to be good. Just do it. It doesn't have to be good. <laughs> and I don't know how, but we, I think I got us a podcasting mic. Mm-hmm. And I, I got it very, very cheaply. And I think I either still have it or we got rid of it recently. And it was like one of those omnidirectional ones. That you, we just sat it up in between us. And we would talk together into the same mic. I, I miss those days sometimes. Why? We can actually look at each other and it sounds good. Ah, fair enough. Maybe I'm just nostalgic. Like, it sounds like we're, we're talking to professional microphones and I'm actually looking at you this time. <laughs> Well, as long as we pretend to be professionals, I guess we just fake it till we make it. <laughs> professionals. Professionals. Uh, but uh, yeah, the um, yeah we're barreling quickly towards that. Um, you already used that one. You have to use a different one now. Oh, uh, we are uh, rollerblading uh, without a care, with or without a clue, towards uh, this big uh, milestone, and we're um, not sure. Um, how, what we're going to do for it exactly yet. We don't have any special guest stars or anything like that because we don't have really, any in the anyone in the know. We're so. not really a guest star sort of podcast. We have okay. guests of the podcast, but that's about it. I do enjoy it when people come and talk with us. In I the, love it. We have a couple space. guests line up, but not no, no one like of big name. So. You say that. We're all important people. We are right? all important people. We, ha- we love our friends. We love people who, the people who come and talk with us. So. <laughs> But, um, yes, to uh, talk about the actual episode that we are on today, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Uh, I'm going to shock you, dear listener. I hated this movie when it first came out, but that was before I watched it. (laughs) Okay, so you're going to have to explain yourself. So, um, to kind of get into some um, backstory, um... I remember reading this book as a kid. Um, I don't. I didn't really remember the book. Um, I actually had to revisit the book um, thanks to a YouTube video. Um, the I actually do remember reading this book um, and not really caring for the illustrations. Now, re- looking at the illustrations, I can appreciate them a lot deeper. Um, but the story is silly enough as is. But I'm like, this story reminds me a lot of another story. And I'll get into that in just a little bit, um, but the movie is based on a um, a different, or sorry, uh, based on the book of the same name. However, the book and the movie don't really have a lot to do with each other. Um, there are some key similarities, um, and uh, we'll we'll touch on those in, uh, in a few minutes. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the movie. Um, but I'm, I'm, I kind of want to present the background to it, why I chose this to be my birthday episode um, instead of, you know, going on YouTube looking for the worst movie ever and then talking about that because I really that wanted to do that. That for a while. I'm tired of worst movies ever. Oh, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> I my heart. I just need good quality content in my we life. We do that all the time. You've got to revisit the worst. We, we have to have uh, peaks and valleys, hon. Sure, sure. Okay. Um. <laughs> Well, the synopsis of Cloud of the Chance Meatballs, the movie, is this inventor, Flint Lockwood, whose every invention he tries to make never goes the way he intends. And he's looked down on and ridiculed in his town of Swallow Falls, which is built on the sardine trade. Sardines all the time, 100%, 24-7. That's their whole economy. Uh, 
he invents a machine. So instead of just having to have the same boring sardines every day, water goes in the top, food comes out the bottom. But it accidentally gets sent into the stratosphere and it starts raining food. So it rains cheeseburgers, pancakes, steaks, all these different things that he can request using satellites and stuff. So uh, this weather girl, Sam Sparks, comes to the town to cover the meteorological events and everything's fine and dandy until the machine starts getting overloaded. And then he, along with a bunch of uh, crazy people from his town, have to figure out how to stop the machine before it destroys the entire world with a food system of epic proportions. This, um, I I remember uh, watching the preview for this movie and just being like, oh, what, what, what the hell? Um, because there's another book um, that is, uh, that has a very similar premise. Um, it's not the exact one that uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the original book, had, but it, they are both, they're both pretty similar. Um, and I was, I was upset because for the longest time, and I think it was you and possibly your roommate, roommate Jenny, uh, convinced me to go and watch it. I don't remember why. Um, but somehow you, I remember you were there, um, but someone convinced me to watch this movie and I finally watched this movie and I wanted to hate this movie so much more than I did. Like, I wanted to be like, oh, this movie's terrible. It's not funny. The characters are terrible. It's 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 just, oh, oh, it's awful. And I couldn't hate it as much as I wanted to because of how charming and how quick-witted it was. There's a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff for this movie that I don't think we knew when we first watched it. This movie came out a while ago. Uh, but you may recognize the directors on this. It's Lord and Miller, the same people who did the Lego movie. They also have done a lot of other things. Um, they were the yeah the when I was doing research on it, how crazy was it? The very first thing they pitched was Clone High, which you had told me about for the controversy. They wrote for Clone High. They pitched like they they pitched this idea to the studios, and they were like, mm, no. Eventually, it got picked up, but then because of hunger strikes of the portrayal of Gandhi, the whole thing got pulled again. They're now considering revamping it. Uh, next year, I would be okay series. with that if they if they do um, um, if they do um, that character justice or they do it right. But the thing is, is um, it wasn't they they wrote for it or they did help create it um, with a gentleman by the name Shoot. Of course, I'm forgetting it. Um, I'm trying. I'm literally trying to look this up on IMDb right now. I love when you have a fact to present and then you forget the fact mid sentence. The gentleman who created Scrubs. That's okay. why uh, Sarah Chalk, Zach uh, Braff, and Donald Faison are recurring characters or recurring voices on that show. That's fun. Um, uh, and he. That's why like some of the people, uh, who go on to be on uh Spin City, his very next show, are also on clone high and then who then become uh either recurring characters or guest spots on scrubs how intriguing i know that you're really into uh listening to the scrubs rewatch podcast i have Donald Faison and zach Braff. i know you want to start listening to that yeah i have not started it yet so it's gonna be it's gonna start happening actually all three of them did create it phil lord christopher miller and bill lawrence is his name mm-hmm uh, so after they do that, the very first movie they get hired to do is Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. So they start work on it. Six months in, they get fired for story issues, and they bring on a new director, who six months in also gets fired, and they bring Lord and Miller back. They're like, okay, we've, we've got to figure out how to get this story off the ground. Uh, and the big problem they had with the story was that there wasn't really a relationship grounding it. The humor was all there, and the animation was all there, but there's nothing really grounding our main character. So they actually expanded the role of Flint's father to provide that relationship core that they were looking for, that sort of motivated, made that motivation that he was needing to propel the story beyond just uh, a collection of slapstick, which I, I think is the emotional heart. It's definitely not Flint and Sam. It's, they have a fun dynamic, but it's really about him and his father, this simple fisherman who just doesn't get his son's inventions and just wants him to come live a normal life with him in the tackle shop. And God, I tell you... Doesn't just, understand computers. and Oh, heavens. I, I love Flint's dad so much. It's just... 
like that character design is so fun with his mouth and eyes always covered by eyebrows and a mustache until like really intense scenes like one hour into this <laughs> movie the eyebrows lift up and you finally see his father's eyes like oh my god <laughs> that was terrifying but also very funny um so yeah they did end up directing this movie they also directed uh, a movie, I guess, that we do, uh, or movies that we do actually end up have to check out, 21 and 22 Jump Street. Yep. I did not know that, and because of all of this, I guess I have to actually check these out. These directors, this this directing duo is really intriguing to me, to go from Clyde with the Chance of Meatballs to the Lego movie to 21 and 22 Jump Street to... Um, Directing. starting to do solo and then getting kicked off the project for wanting it to be too funny. I'm like, let them. Why did you hire this clearly comedic pair of directors if you didn't want a funny, off-the-wall comedy? Uh, they also directed the pilot for um, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Did they? Mm-hmm. How interesting. Um, I, I just, I can't believe that, like, and and going back and rewatching it like we did, um, and watching that and knowing the Lego movie, it's so obvious now. <laughs> like that quick witted, really kind of intelligent, but still a little dumb humor. Mm-hmm. Like or the more, uh, or you could even say obvious humor. They were still tightening it up. Like there's a few too many annoying slash dumb jokes in Clyde with the Chance of Meatballs, in which I feel like the Lego movie trimmed out. Almost so completely. Tightly. I don't think there's a one stupid or dumb or fart joke in all of the Lego movie. If there is, it's minimal. It. It's minimal. Like, and that, uh, usually that thing kind of drags me right out. Like, I hate those kinds of jokes. Like, we'll talk a little bit about Claudia with a Chance of Meatballs too, which we also watch. Which we also watch, but it's that one is good. Um, it's it's a different kind of good. They than were one. only executive producers on that. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of humor. It's it goes for a lot of more of the the more simplistic humor, the very quick rabbit punches. They're still good, but it's not the same kind of humor that it is in the first movie. I think a lot of the humor translation happens with the animation. And this is a very different, fast-paced type of animation. It makes me think more of Warner Brothers than Disney. These quick, fast-paced motions that you couldn't achieve in a live-action film. I see why this script paired best with an animated movie just the way that everyone moves uh Mr. especially T- with like the quick edits and everything mr t is the police officer oh my god i could not that is like freaking perfect casting too like mr t is known to be mr t and when it was told to me that this was mr t i think after the fact i was like but okay yeah yeah i see it and then like in the dedication that he brought to that role too was like this is surprising. Like, there's one part because the the character that Mr. T plays, uh, Earl the cop, um, his whole character is like he the he he has to obey the law, has to obey the rules, and he deeply loves his family, especially his son. He has this like deep burning passion. My sweet uh, angel son Cal, whom I love more than anything else in this entire world. My my deep um, my sweet little angel Cal, <laughs> who I do anything for, including die. Like it's so beautiful. And like Mr. T, I don't know if Mr. T just played it like how Mr. T would, or if Mr. T was like, oh, you want me to be like over expressive? Okay, I can do that. And like, and they were just like yeah, just, can you give me a little more? Give me, all right, you want more? My sweet little baby angel cow. No, 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 uh, more, more, more. My sweet little baby, no, more. My sweet little baby angel cow. (laughs) Perfect. My only son. My only son. Like, and there's, there's a couple little callbacks to Mr. T. Like, Earl has a bald spot in the shape of a T, whereas Mr. T had a mohawk in the shape of a T, so that's a fun little callback. And then at one point he jumps through a chip and it's in the shape of a T. Oh, these cute little things. But there's like there's movements. Um, we've seen uh, memes uh, where the the Earl, the cop, uh, is like running, but he's only only his arms and legs are moving. His chest and his head are not moving at all. And it's like the the get out run a little bit, yeah. where he's just like like just straight up running. 
and it's it, but it's hilarious and, and like you know works really well for that character the the movements for each character work really well too uh shall we talk about how uh the casting of neil patrick harris as steve was absolutely a precursor to the casting of hey hey as alan tudyk um are the two related? Absolutely not. Was uh, are the two uh, genius moves? Yes, because you have two world class actors in roles that if you put anyone else in, would they be as good? Probably not. Like if you have like other good character actors or you know like even just sound actors like not Mar- not Maurice Lamarche but um the guy who voiced Appa, mm-hmm. um he has it starts with an M. Uh, he would do something good as like say hey hey or even as Steve, if it was just the mo- monkey noises. But the does it feel like stunt casting to you? Because I can't tell. You no, know? because Neil Patrick Harris was actually originally uh, offered the role of Flint Lockwood. Oh, that would have been fun. And uh, he read the he read over the part for Steve, and it's like no, I want to do Steve. That seems like a more interesting role. The monkey. The monkey. That's a more interesting role. That's a more interesting role. Well, I know that you really love Bill Hader as Flint Lockwood. I like Bill Hader, period. I really want to watch his show, Barry. I've heard how good it is. So, um, the, um, the, the big thing is, is, uh, Bill Hader is an incredible uh, comedic actor, as, as anyone can see in his stint during SNL, with SNL. Anytime he appears in anything else, he's he can accompany or sorry, he can uh, embody embody. Thank you. Embody a role very easily. But his serious stuff is done really well, too. And that's what helps elevate this role a lot. Not that Neil Patrick Harris wouldn't have been able to do it because Neil Patrick Harris can absolutely do the same thing. It's the fact that they can do both so well. But Bill Hader brings a lot of that zaniness to this role. I don't know if Neil Patrick Harris would have been able to do the zaniness. Um, we see a lot with that when when he does Barney with Neil Patrick. Um, but Bill Hader has this way with doing his voice that you I don't think Neil would have been able to do. It's the, I think he brought it just a little bit more. So, <laughs> and can we talk about Anna Ferris oh, as I Sam know. Sparks? The most adorable dork. I love her to death. What a great inversion of the trope. She's she looks so pretty, like a little like a, a weather girl. And then he he puts on her glasses and puts her hair up in a ponytail. He's like, I mean, you were all right before, but now you're beautiful. You're a goddess. <laughs> like if if only you took off your glasses and took down your ponytail, then you'd be Hollywood hot. It's it's such a great way to just reverse it completely. And how she thinks this entire time that Flint is this thick chinned, chiseled jawed of a man, and then gets her glasses on like, oh, uh, okay, okay, I guess. Oh, <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, sure, all okay. right, fair. <laughs> um, it's I. Hmm. How do I describe this? Uh, it she and Anna Fair. This is where Anna Ferris can shine too, is when she's oh, allowed hi, to be America. funny. I didn't see you there. I'm Sam Sparks. <laughs> uh, hi, Sam Sparks here. Um, Anna Ferris can be hilarious when she's allowed to be, and there are some roles. And I had to honestly, I had to look back at the Scary Movie franchise. I know she was kind of stuck there for a while, but when she when she was allowed to be funny in that, she was hilarious. Um, and there's been some roles that she's done recently that haven't been as good, but there was one where she was like she kind of was a sorority sister that kind of put got put into like the worst sorority. In yeah, that. I remember that. Um, she, I've heard that I have not got to see it, but I've heard she's actually really funny in that. So uh, I think Anna Faris is hilarious, and I think she can actually do a really good job at acting too. There's so many actors that until they find the right role or place or, or idea, it, we don't really appreciate them. Kind of like a, you know, Will Ferrell sort of thing. Uh, like, oh, Will, Will Ferrell. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, Anchorman. Oh, that's very good. Or Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, that's very good, too. Just it's nice to show the actors can have ranges. And then freaking Andy, Andy Samberg, whom we really adore now, we've loved uh watching pop star never stop stopping uh just just classic andy sandberg it was so much fun to watch uh his movie that has 
just come out, which we are really excited to see. Oh, it has, has it officially come out? Um, I know that they were planning. Um, I don't know. I don't think. I think it was always meant for streaming. I don't think it was all any. I don't think it was meant for. Um, yeah, and for uh, everything's kind of a little weird right now. Yeah. Well, regardless of whether it was meant for streaming or not, it is being released on some sort of streaming platform, and I it. It looks good. I know that some people are actually starting to explore the Groundhog Day format a little bit more and more. Um, and they're, some are doing it well. Some aren't doing it well. This looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. And Well, the manipulation of time, I think, is cooler than time travel. Like, Tenet, manipulation of time. Right. That's rad. Uh, the new Annie Sandberg movie, manipulation of time. Uh, even like time traveler's wife. Again, I, it's just I gotta time admit, um, uh, the the happy birthday horror one where she keeps dying and being, happy death day. Happy death day. Happy death day was just sardonic enough, just black comedy enough for it to be taken seriously. Like the the first one was good. The mystery was kind of fun. Um. I, it, it, it was fun. the second one. Oh my god when she gets stuck again it's fucking hilarious because there's at one point she goes she like sneaks onto like a like a, a army plane she's like all right and she jumps out and like in just a bikini and she sees a guy uh, and she sees like this guy uh that she likes and um he she He's on a date and she flips them both off as she falls to the ground. It's fucking hilarious. It's they I think the first one took itself a little too seriously. The second one like, nah, nah, we're going to we're going to kind of back off a little bit and have a little bit more fun. But the actress, the main actress who was in both of the movies, I loved her. She she did like she did she showed the progression of like how like um in the first or sorry in a uh, Groundhog Day uh Bill Murray was a complete and total tool and then slowly very very slowly at times like became a better person. She showed a a bit more of a natural progression of like she was a stuck a stuck up person and slowly was like wait why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we like forcing ourselves not to eat? Why are we partying all the time why aren't we like actually trying to be better people it was it was actually a a really nice progression and it showed and when it like when she would reset it kind of would be frustrating because then people would look at her again the same way so it was it was kind of fun um again if the first one hadn't taken itself so seriously yeah how dare a horror movie take itself seriously um tell jordan peel that right now oh no that uh, jordan (laughs) Ah, uh, Jordan. Get out. Took itself the right amount, seriously. Uh, I think there's there's definitely like a fine tuning of the formula. There's a wonderful bunch of visual gags, especially with all the different kinds of food that come out of the sky uh, with Clyde with a chance of meatballs. Uh, yeah, get back ideas. on the subject that we were supposed to be on. <laughs> yeah, things like a, a salt and pepper wind, pea soup fog, a, a tornado made out of spaghetti. There's such great visual puns and language being played around with. I feel like that the those were all came from the actual. Yeah, so you read the so you actually looked at the actual book, and there's a lot of things. Uh, it clearly the the book is more about a grandfather telling. A daughter, yes, there's this place called Chun Swallow. It's island out in the middle of nowhere where it rains th- food three meals a day, which is basically, I mean, the same idea in Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, but instead of it just being a story someone is telling, it's how it actually came to be and the inventor's story of what he's created. So the premise is similar, the characters and the outcome is different. Uh, but I just love all the fun ingenuity with... Uh, Things like the ice cream snow day, and when you peel up, when you when you uh, lift the camera above the street, you see the chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry, like Neapolitan ice cream, and you see that all the kids are in the chocolate and vanilla, and there's only one kid in the strawberry ice cream. Like that's it's such a great for <laughs> anyone like who strawberry. for anyone who had Neapolitan ice cream in the fridge growing up, you knew that that one was the only one left in the container, and it would stay that way until mom threw it out. No one was eating the strawberry in there. Yeah. 
Uh, there's things like the giant pancake falling onto the school and all the kids being like, yeah, school's destroyed, no more. Uh, the open restaurant where steaks just fall from the sky onto the plates. That um, was, that's, yeah, <laughs> I do like that one too. Um, there, uh, what was it? Oh God, at near the end of the movie, um, there's like, there's a bunch of monuments getting attacked by food. Um, and the Mount Rushmore getting hit by pies, and then Abraham Lincoln getting hit in the back of the head. God, that was dark. <sighs> that was dark as shit. It's a dark joke right there, fool. Like that, like that's the thing. Like there's all these. It's it's the right kind of adult joke. Like the Abraham Lincoln joke is a joke that only adults will get, but it's not because it's a sex joke or something, which it always inevitably is. Uh, does it mean there isn't the oh where'd Steve get the chocolate snowballs? Uh, you know. It just yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying there. There's some that are like, but then there's cute uh, things like Flint having his laboratory up in this treehouse, and it looks all high tech and futuristic, but it's just curtains painted to look like walls, and a Simon Says <laughs> machine on the wall, and they just flips the switch instead. There's all these little things that add to it. The way that he talks about making his plans and decorating, staring, motivating, <laughs> flipping switch, just all these cute little things like that. Um, and I really do like that it's, oh, okay, well, let's see. So the movie was good, and then they went and made a sequel. Um, I think just for the sheer fun of all the different creatures that they create for this sequel, I think it kind of stands out more to me. Even more than that, I really love the design and movement of our, uh, antagonist of our antagonist just the way his arms move out of place off frame in ways that couldn't possibly happen i'm not sure if you saw this they're getting near the mountain and flint is holding up his uh, uh hands looking at binoculars one hand is holding the, the the binoculars one hand points to the top of the mountain water goes in the top and then another hand a third of his hands just comes out of frame and points to the bottom and food animals come out the bottom like they never explain it. It makes it's just like all these cute little cues about uh, trying to uh, storm off in the middle of a syrup swamp. Uh, all the funny names, the 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 toad butter, butter, and butter of course, frog. and of course, our very favorite, most wonderful pun joke. There's a leak in the boat. Now, I remember, like, I remember when that joke happened for number two. I was like, oh, that's funny. I like that one. And then when it happened in the movie, like, I don't remember being disappointed when we watched the movie the first time, but when I watched it the second time and it happened, I'm like, that joke was out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, it just shows up. It, like, it wasn't like, oh man, something's wrong with the boat. There's, oh, there's a leak in the boat. And then that happens. It was just like, they're going down and like, there's a leak in the boat. Then that was it. It was just no, like I, I like the placement of it because they've been talking about all the different creatures they see. So first they see flamingo mangoes, flamingos, uh, and then they see the cantaloupes, cantaloupe antelopes, and then they say, and there's a leak in the boat, and the leak is like not mixed with any other animal. It's just a leak. <laughs> it's or fruit. It's, it's just a living sentient leak. I uh, see. I, that's where I'm like a little eh. like like everything like the little mice mellows. And the watermelon fence. Shrimpanzies. The shrimpanzies. Like, all these adore... I loved every animal combination. The baked potato hippos give me life. It was all... <laughs> I, I loved all the beautiful animal puns. Like, I think just for sheer creativity, I really did the, enjoy the second one. The second one had a lot... I didn't... I, I would have liked uh, maybe to not have had, like, a full antagonist. Yeah. I think that would have been maybe better. Um, because it, I don't think it was necessary. Um, Making more of a Jurassic Park thing, where just the environment is the danger. Yeah, man part. versus environment, or man yeah. versus animal, um, or like they all think that they're attacking, and like he like kind of comes up with like a selfish decision to turn it off, and they come up or they realize that they're not trying to attack. Like how she figures out with the the taco dial supreme <laughs> um, that he. Uh, that he's the the thing isn't attacking, but it's protecting its children. Yeah. Um. I feel like both these movies could have really benefited from not having an antagonist. I feel like the mayor is a weak villain in the first one. He is a weak villain, but. But. 
why did I love having Bruce Gant? See, oh, that's why. So the thing Put is, a good is they're character both character actor in there, and Aaron will forgive anything. the The problem is, is they're both very weak villains. But the fact that you have a Bruce Campbell is the first one, and he does a great job. Like, did I ever tell you you're like a son to me, a metaphorical one, of course, but a son nonetheless. Uh, and it's Bruce Campbell. I mean, you, you can't go wrong. It's Bruce fucking Campbell. Uh, and the second one is Will Forte. And you don't even realize that it's Will goddamn Forte for the longest time. Um, who is in actually the first movie. He's the one. He's the guy, the random guy with the beard. In the first movie, the random guy with the beard that keeps popping up all over town. Oh, like in the second one where he just keeps showing up as like driving the bus in the new city or just yeah. behind a family picture. Just OK. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, the, okay, so one of the best visual gags, I, I have to admit, and this is one of, the, especially watching it the second time, that's like what kind of like, like, okay, this actually, this is, this is something worthwhile. Um, everyone is turning behind them, looking at the camera, which is above them, and they're looking up at it and like in a state of shock. And some of them are like, before they're even turning, they're in a state of shock. So that's really funny. Um, some of them are like taking off their glasses, and one guy, takes off his beard. Yes. <laughs> to like <gasps> So I, I I thought that was really really funny. Um but yeah, he he voices the guy with the beard. You have these two very weak villains, but they're made stronger by very good vo- uh characters or sorry, people who are voicing these characters. But yeah, they're both very weak. <laughs> it's more interesting the the hubris of man of him trying so hard for his inventions to work and then having to come to terms with the fact that he can't just keep doing this forever just because everyone loves him like there's there's real legitimate consequences to all this the fact even that they put all the leftovers behind that dam and that that dam could burst any minute like that's enough to be like i should stop but i but people like me so much i better keep yeah making well, like, it why rain, couldn't he food. figure out that the b- dam was about to break or the dam was like the structure was getting weaker and weaker what he's like the, oh no people love me and I, I don't need to fix that right now if the townspeople got all complacent that they didn't have to do anything and what the food always just came to them yeah and that's and that's why earl stood up and was like it wasn't his fault it was our fault mm-hmm. you know all that stuff so what do you think? Is it time for our sponsor dome? I think it is time to go into the sponsor dome. Two sponsors enter. One sponsor leaves. Um, our sponsor, as all or our full sponsor, as always, is Audible. Audible is offering our listeners, like you, a free audiobook with a thirty-day trial membership. <gasps> no. Uh, there's more. <gasps> My God. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched. Like, I thought we were going to do the whole bit. No, we did. I thought we we just did it out of order. Kind of. No, but go on. Tell me more about this fascinating deal, Aaron. Uh, and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Wow. Download a title free and start listening. Gee willikers. It's that easy. It couldn't possibly be that easy, Aaron. How, how could it be that easy? What do I have to do? Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. What book would you recommend? Well, Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. So which one would you recommend? I will actually recommend the book that the movie is based on, quote unquote, um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs slash Pickles to Pittsburgh. Which is a sequel. Yeah. Um, Not Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Two. Two, which has nothing to do with pickles to Pittsburgh. No, um, the uh, good the, job Hollywood. <laughs> the actual synopsis of the the book that you get from Audible is two tall tales about the tiny town of Chew and Swallow, featuring immense foodstuffs and distinct characters, are included in this delightful collection. Uh, it is by Judy Barrett and narrated by Jerry Terrian, Linda Terrian. Oh, both by Jer- Jerry Terrian and Linda Terrian. Cool beans. It's only about 26 minutes long, so be a fun thing for the kids. Absolutely. For kids. For kids. Um, our challenger today is uh, was actually Aaron's birthday surprise. Uh, we went and did an escape room. Now, if you know us at all, you'll know did that we this escape? is... Well, you know what? We could still be there right now. We're podcasting from inside the room. They wouldn't it's coming from leave. inside the house. 
Uh, we have done many escape rooms. In fact, I built an escape room one year for Aaron's birthday out of a shed in the backyard. Uh, but this was the hardest room we've ever done, and we did it at the escape game up in Pigeon Forge. Uh, the escape game uh, has been our favorite place to go for escape rooms. It was the first one we ever did, and every time we've ever gone back, we've always been super impressed with the quality of the rooms the friendliness of the employees and just the overall themes that they choose to make their rooms out of. We are, we're talking about the one, uh, did you mention that it was on the Island? I did indeed mention okay. that. Um, so there's but a it's not just there. They have locations all over America. And the cool thing about it right now is that when you reserve your spot in a room, that room immediately becomes private. Usually you could share it with other people trying to fill it up to its capacity. But because yeah. of quarantine and COVID restrictions, once you reserve it, that's your room. No one else from another party can join in there. So it is a fun thing to go and do still. Um, and they do take precautions. They don't let anyone, because uh, before you could go into the waiting room and hang out, hang but out, now... maybe even do puzzles or something like that. Um, now it is, you are not allowed into the area until it is your time. You have to make the appointment beforehand. Um, and uh, honestly, we would recommend these to anybody. Um, you'd be surprised uh, at, it, it's kind of like um, what we used to talk about with trivia. Um, you would be surprised at what you would know or how you would help. Uh, Everyone always has a specialty. Some people know history or literature or random trivia facts. Some people are really good at puzzles. Some are really good at just fitzing with one lock for 20 minutes until it opens. <laughs> we do have that person in our group, and it's always nice to have because we always end up bypassing one puzzle entirely just by having someone play with the combination lock until it opens. Someone is uh, good at riddles like myself. Uh, someone is good at uh, word scrambles like me and Ollie, apparently, our friend Ollie, uh, who, like... If I had heard all the letters, I would have been able to help. But I, I, I kept asking for the letters, and you guys kept going, oh, D, E, and F. What are all the letters? That's that it's fed. If it's not, it's like, what are all the letters? And uh, but she she ended up giving all the letters. But it was funny as you guys were figuring that out. I solved another puzzle that had that was actually obsolete at that moment. Yeah, there are certain points we run ahead of the group, and we just don't know where to go. Uh, but uh, of all the escape game companies we've tried, the escape game is probably our favorite. And um, yeah, we've done um, we've done about five different companies at this point. Mm -hmm. um, all of them have been really good. So we we we're not throwing shade on anyone else. But this one has been our favorite. This one, um, you can't. The price is a little bit higher than the other ones, but you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the atmosphere is unbeatable. Um, and the puzzles themselves, like this one specifically. Um, we did the hardest one possible, our yeah. hardest ever, called Prison Break, where the group is split up into two, and you must each make it out of your own individual rooms before you can continue with the rest of the game. Uh, it is intense, and it was really fun, and we did make it out of Alive. I See? See, I, I did reveal the Oh, twist. man, spoilers. We actually aren't still in the escape room podcasting from there. <laughs> Recording live from the escape room. No. So if you're looking for something fun to try that you've never done before and you like doing puzzles, we recommend the escape game. And if you're looking for a book you've never read before and you have some time, we recommend audible.com slash married to the idea. And then it's T.O. the idea, not the number two. As always. So, uh, yeah, highly recommend them. And if you are listening from somewhere else, they do have other locations, as Liz said. Um, and sometimes the other locations have uh, different rooms as well. So um, if you or if you happen to travel, look into that as well. Thank you, Escape Game. If you want to sponsor us, we would love it. Oh, that would be really, really cool. So jumping back into the subject at hand. Um, so this is based on a book, uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, but it doesn't have a lot to do with it. Uh, the name of the town uh, originally is Swallow Falls, but then it changed to Chew and Swallow as it was in the book. Um, the food does get picked up by uh, kind of a scooper machine, uh, which you see in the book. Uh, the There's a, a roofless restaurant where the food can fall into. Um, uh, yeah, we mentioned spaghetti. a lot of those stuff earlier. Yeah, so but the um, like the IMDb trivia says there's not a lot to do with the book, and and they're they're right because my theory, my film theory, please don't sue us, Matt Pat. Um, 
is that this actually takes elements from a completely second book that I mentioned earlier. I didn't say the title because I... I because Aaron loves an element of mystery inside an audio format. <laughs> wow, I love escape games. Who would think that I like mysteries? Who would think at all? Uh, we named our cat Sherlock in Minecraft. Who would think that we like mysteries? Oh, I just think they're soft boys, but go on. One is sleeping right next to me right now. He's a good yeti. Oh, I do like yeti. Um, but the name of that book is June 29th, 1999. Or specifically, 06-29-1999. I remember when I was a kid, um, it was actually a Scholastic Book Fair. I was walking through, looking at the metal shelves, thinking, what can I not buy? Because my parents did not give me any money. Oh, look at that. It's a Garfield superhero book. That's weird as hell. Anyways, that's a real-ass book. Um, and uh, I kept looking, and then, uh, I don't think these are the same years, but I kept looking, and I'm like, that's my birthday because my birthday is June 29th. Huh? And I picked it up and I read the whole thing and the artwork for this book is amazing. The, the writer and I think illustrator, uh, David, uh, Weisner, uh, has some beautiful imagery. Um, there's one shot of like artichokes falling into a mountain, but they're giant. Like they're the size of the mountains themselves. And, uh, it's very surreal imagery. So, of course, I like it because I love surrealism is my favorite artistic movement. Uh, but the the book itself starts off with this girl who um, actually uh, wants to learn how seeds grow in higher altitudes. And so she sends her seeds up into the stratosphere. And then all of a sudden, giant food starts falling out of the sky. Now here's huh, the question. That sounds familiar. Which was written first? Uh that is a good question. This now was I written do want to know. Um this was written in 92. Um I'm pulling this up to be 100% sure. So the one that you think that Cloudy stole from was written in 92. So now I need to figure out when Cloudy was written. Yeah, that's I'm looking at that right now. I'm going to make um Drumroll, please. I I'm I'm I have to compare in contrast first. It's the internet, Aaron. Just make a quick assumption without doing any research. Like I can do that. You know what? I'm going to try and beat you. I bet I can get to it faster than you can. All right. So uh, June 29th, 1999 was written in 1995. Um, and Claudia with a Chance of Meatballs was actually written in 1982. All right, so Cloudy was first. Cloudy was first. Um, however, because of the elements of the story itself, I feel like um, the because really, in in all honesty, it is raining food. So there is the things, but I feel like, and I remember when it first came out, I was like, "Oh, this is stealing from this the book about my birthday." Oh, it's stealing, it's stealing, it's stealing. I was I was pissed. I'm like, "This is stealing from my," and they're not calling it my birthday. Like, if they had made a book. Uh, or a movie about the book about with June 29th, 1999, I would have been all about it. I'm like, this is my favorite movie of all time. But they didn't. They called it Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs because it is more based on this book. But I feel like they took elements from this other book without even realizing it. You know, I think there's something to be said about that because things like um, A Quiet Place, uh, A Quiet Place is based on a totally different book called silence and then when they made a movie adaptation of silence a couple like like last year they said oh you're stealing from a quiet place even though the book was absolutely first quiet place did it so effectively that they thought it has to be the first one so maybe it's a similar sort of thing where you thought this one was the better you liked it more it clearly had to be the first one because it was done better which i think is why adaptations exist even in the first place is if it's the best adaptation people will think that you're the original and, and are better. And therefore better. And therefore better. Yeah, and see, and that's, and that's, what's, that's what's tough is uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the book, was first. Was indeed first. But the, the book itself, it's, it, he, it, it's presented as a tall tale. Um, the people, the rain of food or the, the, the food falling from the sky always happens. It doesn't happen in the book. It doesn't begin in the book. Or like... 
Yeah, it's a story about this town where it rained meals three times a day. Exactly. There's no explanation given to why there is food rain. So maybe it's a little of both. We have this girl who wants to see how seeds grow in high altitudes, and that's where we get our scientist character who invents the machine that creates food from water. Yeah, she do- yeah, she doesn't create a machine. She just sends seedlings up, but some sort of something happens to A, make them gigantic, and B, make them fall out of the sky. Um, but it's, I think what happens is it's not clouding with a chance of meatballs. The movie doesn't steal from this, the June 29th, 1999. Um, but it does, I feel like incorporate some things. It does feel that way when you describe it, especially with the imagery in two about how all this giant vegetation and food, when you describe these artichokes in a mountain, it gives me that same sort of vibe. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing too, is like, I feel like the movie didn't have enough to go off with the book so it's like well let's pull a couple other things from another book well, the reason that no one's ever heard of that isn't even on audible the fact that the directors were hired then fired then rehired again and it took them that long to get the story going because there was no like core relationship makes me think that yeah they definitely had to work a little bit harder at this that the original materials for both of these books weren't enough to create a full feature-length movie so we had to come up with a character-driven reason and in all honesty, it, I, whenever the movie first came out, I was so pissed. I was so, so mad because I didn't realize that there was a book, even though I had read it as a kid. I didn't realize that there was a book, and, and it was actually a book, and, the, and it does actually still have some of the same influences, even down to the, the food going from normal size to bigger. Um, but I think what happens is there is some influences from both. And um, I also am using this opportunity to say, hey, there's this awesome book called June 29th, 1999 with some wonderful imagery uh, that needs more recognition. And it's your birthday after all. Tis my birthday. And you can buy it from Amazon for fairly cheap. So, Aaron, don't promote Amazon on our show. We promote Audible, which is an Amazon company. Shh. People don't need to know that. You get us a better you get us a better uh, sponsor for our sponsor dome and I will we will replace Audible. If you're listening and would like to sponsor Marriage the Idea, please email us marriage the idea reviews at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to be yeah, if you want to be a sponsor or even if you want to be in the sponsor dome for one week, let us know. Yeah, you gotta send it to us. You gotta let us know. If you want to be a Patreon, go to our Patreon page. Uh, I think that this movie is a good kids film. There are so many like harmful kids movies out there whether they insult the intelligence of their children (laughs) insult the intelligence of our children misuse properties um provide nothing of engagement and growth i feel like uh of course i think they only got better as time went on um but if you like the humor from the lego movie i think you will find something of value here in cloudy with a chance of meatballs as well and if you really just love use some animal puns, I highly recommend the second movie. It's some uh, it's animal and food puns. Animal and food puns. Like I I don't know why I got so freaking inspired just watching Clyde the Chance of Meatballs too. Just the colors are beautiful. I love all the character animal food hybrid designs. There's so much fun in it, and I I think it's worthwhile. Um, what? Hard to say. I kind of think I like the second one more. The second one has uh, some more inspired imagery. I like it. Yeah, I like it for the imagery. I think it's overall weaker because then they talk about this big moral about like these are these are living things. You can't eat them. And I'm like, we all eat living things and no one's espousing be a vegetarian. And the vegetables have living feelings, too. So there's no way out of this. <laughs> if all food in the world was sentient, we would all die. At some point, we do have to eat something. So that it, it feels like they have to stretch it for a bit at that point. That he's, you know, he's clearly evil to just have them, you know, get built in labs and put right into a grinder for his food bars. But at the same time, the message can't be, well, they're all thinking, feeling things when clearly animals eat other animals so it's it's not like we have a yeah, i don't know it gets a little uh, convoluted i'd say it gets very convoluted um and uh i i have to agree the first one is fun um i think again in the same vein of how i was talking about happy death day the first one took itself too seriously and the second one was able to kind to kind of take a step back and not take itself as seriously mm-hmm. um the 
this one is the same way. Because the first one, I think the first one had to establish itself a little bit more. It had it has a lot of quick paced humor, a lot of visual gags, and um, the characters are really solid. For some reason, the second one, it's stronger and a little weaker in ways. Mm-hmm. Um, like having the antagonist be there, um, the obvious Apple ripoff. Um, <laughs> and instead of it being like an Apple, it's a light bulb. I do like the imagery with the Apple, though. Or sorry, with the, with the light bulb. So, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, how our villain is basically a giant light bulb. And I... I do like, I think my unspoken hero in both these uh, movies is Manny, the camera operator. Yeah. I just love it so much. He's like, I'm also a physicist. Really? No. No. That was a joke. I am a comedian. (laughs) 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 Just, he has such great fun delivery in the same way that Flint's dad does just with his facial expressions. I did like that baby Brent went from being like the bully, the, the kid that everything went right for to nothing started going wrong and then he's like i need to redeem myself i need to find who i am instead of being baby brent and it was it was purposely shoehorned in like there wasn't supposed to be an arc for him and they're like well we should give him an arc but let's make it as obvious as possible that we have to throw this in here and make it into a joke i have to redeem myself and like brent there's no room in the car i must atone for my sins like him kind of uh shoving his way into the the final you know uh climax i feel like this art yeah that that kind of makes sense so (laughs) um but yeah it was hmm hmm it was hmm, i hmm uh, the the imagery it's very reminiscent of junk, uh, uh, Jurassic Park even down to Sam Sparks wearing the exact same outfit as Laura Dern's character. Oh boy, um, it's hard to pick between the two. Like the first one has some really great humor. Let's carpe some DM, um, but it does it does suffer from some of the, like why where did uh, he get some the the chocolate snowballs? Oh. Uh, but the second one has a lot of weaknesses too. So there's there's some there's some hit and misses there. Honestly, watch both. Yeah. I, th- I think it's that's probably just the best way to describe it. If if you if you have the ability to to watch both, watch both. It's especially funny because as we started the second one, I was thinking to myself, I'm pretty sure that the second one starts like immediately after the first one ends and it starts up and it is. It's like Sam in the eight minutes since we saved the world, I've done some thinking. <laughs> like <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it kind of felt like just eight minutes for us too. Uh, also, the second movie has some of that beautiful hand-drawn animation at the end during the credits. Like all animated movies where they have hand-drawn 2D animation at the end during the credits. I'm like, why didn't you just do the movie in this? I love all this so much. I will say that this doesn't hurt me like some CGI animated films do. I think this benefited from being three-dimensional I think it benefited from that quirky, rubbery movement of the arms. Like, if it was 2D, it'd probably be a bit more Adventure Time than uh, Disney. Yeah. It, it was still and I don't pretty really, rub- And it, I know that it's revolutionary, but the animation for Adventure Time doesn't really, like, move me. It, it's it's deeper, but it, it's definitely um, it's definitely got um, the, the kind of boneless structure at times. But it, it allows itself to be grounded, too. Especially, like, with Flynn's dad. Mm-hmm. Um, solid man who doesn't move fast just each character has a different walk cycle like different grounded reality and different way of being zany either with full zaniness or with a little bit of zaniness like manny fully grounded in reality uh uh tim lockwood fully grounded reality um sam sparks a little zany a little grounded she's kind of in the middle uh flint completely zany just smacks his hand on the keyboard and words appear <laughs> Uh, baby Brent completely zany. There's yeah, you know, like walks on bones at one point while he's stuck in a chicken suit. Oh yeah, uh, they are walking through that swamp of uh, syrup in the second one, and Manny is literally walking on top of the syrup. He's too light to fall through. He's littlesing his way across the swamp. <laughs> there's there's some fun things that happen. It's just um, it 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 knows when it takes itself seriously and when it to take itself not seriously. But then it also doesn't. Like, the Lego movie knew almost exactly, to the exact point. It knew perfectly what to do, where to break the wall, where to say, we can be a little bit crazier here right now. Yeah. Um, 
like rat birds and uh and Steve and gummy bears and it's just there's there's a lot that's right with this movie. There's a little that's wrong, but not nearly as much as there could have been. So I think your favorite moment is my favorite moment when Flint's dad has been trying to connect and relate to us on this whole time with fishing metaphors that his son just does not get. And Sam just reaches down and takes the thought translator off of Steve and puts it on Flint's dad. And suddenly it all <laughs> makes sense. And oh, your mother, oh, she'd be so proud of you. She could see you. And I'm proud of you, too. And I love you. And all the things that he hasn't been able to say because... Every time I say a fishing metaphor, just know it means I love you. That, that was a be- that was a beautifully genuine moment, um, and there were some good moments in the uh, in the second one too with Tim. So, um, showing that good writing and good acting by James Caan in a kids movie that isn't Elf uh, goes to show that you could do shit like that with pickles, <laughs> with <laughs> with, with, with three stooges as pickles, basically. Very much so. Yeah. These sardine loving pickles. Sardine. Well, why? Why else would they like them? They're salty, <laughs> and their pickles are made in brine. I like it. I like the connection there. So and a little pet pearl onion. Pet pearl onion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do like that they they talk like almost like the Canadians in South Park that the, the they just their head hinges. It is like open up with their mouths. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, soon. Be sure to check out our live streams with Steven Universe or the, our super uber chill Steven Universe Appreciation Podcast. Um, next week, we actually will be wrapping up season four, which we're hitting that crux of catching up to where we were before. It's yes, scary if, as shit. If you haven't watched, the whole premise is that we never finished Steven Universe, so we're going back. Back to back to black. Back to the past. Back to the somewhere in Jack. Watch out. Oh, that's um, another one we watched so much of and then just stopped watching. Yeah, but that was more recent. Um, so uh, be sure to like all our pages, uh, share if you uh, don't mind. And uh, if you are listening on iTunes, uh, check us out on Facebook and everything like that. And leave us a review. Please. We would absolutely appreciate it. Uh, speaking of reviews, um, I the other day checked on this and I currently have the page up right now. So I leave you all with this one little... One little fun note. Um, so, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is a good is a good kids film. Highly recommend it, um, especially if you need something fun to watch during this quarantine or as we possibly dip back into some quarantining. Um, Artemis Fowl is still sitting in a full nine percent at Rotten Tomatoes. Woo. The movie's terrible, y'all. Thank you guys so much. And as always, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.